0: Hello and welcome to Grace Life Stellenbosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Amen. So we've been continuing, or we are continuing our series on the blessing and the birthright. And this is part three so if you missed any of the uh, the first two um, we'll do a bit of a recap but uh, I don't want to recap too much because then we don't get to what we want to get to but one thing I want to share with you this morning is um, sorry this one is more stable um, what we want to give you this morning is a three course meal anyone ready for a three course meal okay so this is not a buffet A buffet you you you, you go and you get what you want This is a sit-down, set-menu, three-course meal. Again, I think it's going to be good. So, um, I'll tell you which courses we're having, but we're starting off with starters, and then we're going to have mains, and then we're going to have a good dessert. Everyone right with that? I mean, you came here to be fed, didn't you? Uh, I hope so. (laughs) Not to tick a box. But we're continuing this, and and, um, we're looking at what is our purpose. We want to help you discover your purpose and live your destiny. So, Can I share a secret with you? Both your purpose and your destiny looks very different to what the world would want you to believe. Both your purpose and your destiny looks very different to what you maybe grew up with or what you are pursuing or thought you would be pursuing. Now you've heard me talk about my navy blue BMW and I walked past one yesterday and I was like, sure, there's more. Like... It's got a little M on it as well, the one I saw. So I was like, guys, come on. This is, this is good. And I was looking at it, and it's really nice. I mean, it would be very comfortable, I'm sure. Probably very expensive to maintain and expensive for the, the speed fines that you would get because who wants to drive 60 in a BMW? And I was just smiling at myself, and I'm like, I'm so glad I grew up. Actually, black got And at this, with four wheels, made villa like BMW, is not what I set out to obtain in life. Because if I did, what then? It will grow old. It will grow, it will grow tired. It will need to be maintained and replaced. And um, life is so much more. Amen? Life is so much bigger. So Romans 12, is 2, I'm reading the Amplified, says, And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs. Can we start there this morning? Do not conform to this world with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed. Isn't that grace? When I read that and meditated on that verse, it's such a grace that we don't need to change overnight. We can progressively change. And sometimes we change more when we don't try to. Anyone with me? When you really try to change, to stop sinning, to do whatever, to get this thing right, to be a better man or a woman or a better spouse or a better whatever, like we struggle with that, but we progressively change as you mature spiritually, the Amplified says. Okay, so how do we change? It's not behavior modification, it's inward transformation. Again, there's one of my favorite songs says, We don't go for behavior modification. We go for inward transformation, which requires grace ingredients. And isn't that amazing? So you will not be transformed without grace. So go back to the start. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And um, when I meet someone new, I usually like to just uh, shock them a little bit. And I said, you know what? I laughed at my brother when he considered studying theology because I was an engineer going in a specific direction. And they look at you like, but how did you end up where you are? The gospel. (laughs) Amen? The good news, the transformative good news of Jesus. What He's done for me, not what I need to do for Him. And because it has changed me, I know that what the world is looking for, I possess. Just think about that. What the world is looking for in all the wrong places, you and I as believers, we carry. We carry. So we only need to get the answer to them, or get them to the answer. Now, they don't always want it, for various reasons, but that doesn't make or negate the power of the Gospel. Okay? We need to defi- define what we have and realize how important it is. It says, by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves that the will of God is, but which is good and acceptable and perfect. And then the amplification says there in brackets, In his plan and purpose for you. So I'm asking you this morning, we're looking at our destiny and our purpose. Are you living or looking for his plan and his purpose for you? Or have you figured out your way to success and is that what you're going for? And then when it works out or when it doesn't, then we're depressed or we're unhappy. You see, there's a difference between a good plan and God's plan. There's a difference between a good plan and God's plan. And that's what we're going to look at, business leaders, um, but that's not for today. Remember, nothing changes if nothing changes. You're not going to have a good year by default. Every start of the year, we, 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 we come with gusto, and we, we're ready, and we, we, we're fresh, and we're wanting to go, and, I mean, this year is the best year, and whatever slogans we put on it. And then around this time after january like some people call it when you get your first paycheck and when your calendar is full and when when things go back to normal as we say slowly but surely we we lose the polish of that new year feeling slowly but surely we we get dragged down and the battery like we don't get it back to a hundred percent like even over a weekend we maybe we go back to 95 and next week you try and recharge and you only get to, to 90%. So the next week it's a bit more tired and a bit more effort. And before we know it, in our minds, we're back where we were November last year. So it's important that we keep our eyes on, on the right things. We don't just want to change for the sake of change. But we would like to change and grow and mature for good. I'm speaking for all of us, hopefully. <laughs> We shouldn't just change to change. Like, change is good, but I live with good change. Some people just change for the sake of it. Now, to change, to grow, to fulfill a purpose was really what Jesus came to do. So let's look at Matthew 9 and we look at what Jesus' mission was on earth. So, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. What did Jesus preach? Okay, you're allowed to speak in this church. okay? Like, it's okay. I'm, this is not the only one. Hello, Jordan. Jordan is not afraid to speak. <laughs> uh, isn't it lovely to have some more space for the parents and the kids this morning? And they're still part of the service. That's amazing. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom and nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. The messages that you listen to, are they about the gospel of the kingdom? Or something more, something else, something different? Okay, why did Jesus came? To preach the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Interesting, he didn't preach healing, he healed. He preached the kingdom, and healing happened. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Now, I was meditating on this verse a bit, or this, this piece. Jesus didn't heal because people were sick. Jesus didn't heal to prove his power over sickness. Jesus healed because he loved and cared. That's what that verse is. He was moved, and that move is an inner unction. That's like when someone decides, I'm going to do this with my life. I'm moved. I'm set. I've am set. i set my course. I'm going, to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to change. He was moved, inwardly motivated. Why? With compassion. You can now, make a note, because that word... He's going to be in your dessert this morning. Okay, you're good with that. So Jesus was moved with compassion. I'm asking you this morning, why? Why were the people pitied? Why, were they, why, would, why did Jesus think, oh, these guys need me? Or they need something else? Can we agree that Jesus really looked at these people and said they need something they don't have? They are like sheep without a shepherd. Now, sheep is dumb. Anyone seen sheep? Like it's always funny for me how God relates us to sheep. (laughs) Sheep are I mean, we want to be lions and eagles. But we're more often called sheep in the Bible than than those things. Yeah, we can grow to be that. Amen. I'm asking you this morning, do you have a shepherd? Or are you a sheep without a shepherd? Do you have a guide in life, a comforter, a protector, one who would feed you? Or are you also scattered abroad, outside, alone, and in danger? And what we see in the beginning of the year is more people come to church, and we expect it, and it's awesome. And the church is usually fuller, because people want to do the right thing, and they want to go back to church, and they want to, they want to fix their lives, and they want to set the course But I don't know if you realize, there's fewer people here today than last week. Now, I'm not preaching to you who came. (laughs) I'm just picking up and I'm commenting on culture. Because it's not just in church, it's your training program. It's the diet that you set out to do better for this year. We tend to digress, not progress. But the kingdom of God is inviting us to a constant pro- progression. And I was thinking about that song we sang, Deeper Still. Now, I don't know where you are in your relationship with God, but God wants you deeper still. You might think, I'm in some space deep. It, I might be, but I want to go deeper still. I want to understand more, grow more, eat more, like nourish more on the goodness of God, meditate more, focus more, do more, have more purpose, amen? Amen? I'm asking you, are you scattered abroad, or are you part of the flock? Matthew 9.36 in the New Living Translation says, this is amazing. When he saw the crowds, so that's many people, crowds. There were a few with him, let's say 12, but there were crowds outside. So that's why, in a service, we're ministering to the few, so that we can reach the crowds. Okay? We're equipping the few, that's you, so that we can invite and reach and minister and feed the crowds of people, the many. Romans 5, 11, or 11.5 speaks about the remnant. There's a remnant of people who's serious about God. You've realized. Think about, I can talk about this, my Geloof's um, Belaydenus class, which was the end of Standard 9, Grade 11 which was quite a time ago. There was about, say, 50 people in that class with me. How many of them are still passionately serving, the God, serving God? Now, if you were in something like that, you can answer for yourself. Are you part of the remnant? I guess you are. If you don't know what that is, don't worry. He had compassion on the crowds, because why? They were confused... And helpless. If I look at the world, if I look at the crowds, if I look at Europe, if I look at Cape Town, if I look at people I mingle with in the week, they are confused and they're helpless, but they don't know it. They think they've got it all figured out. They think they know, but they can't even figure out their gender. They're confused. They're helpless. Now, we shouldn't judge that. We should have compassion on that. Otherwise, we don't have the heart of Christ. Because Jesus saw people confused and helpless. Remember, Jesus lived in the Romans under the Romans. So we like to say you know, what we see now in the world happened in the Roman Empire. And a lot of it did. Like funny how history repeats itself. But Jesus never spoke condemnation, even under those circumstances. Seldom did he comment on the Roman culture. Because he had a heart of compassion. He was more compassionate about these people than wanting to show out their sins. Like sheep without a shepherd. This is why so many people find themselves today even confused and helpless. Why? Because they live in a post-Christianity culture, post-church. I don't need to go to church. Church is stupid. Church is old school. Church is not for me. Well, then you're a sheep without a shepherd and you're confused and helpless and you're in danger. But you might not realize that until it's too late. As believers, we don't have to be confused and helpless. Isn't that good? See, that's how we need to study the Bible. We need to put the verse on their head and turn it around and shake it a bit and put it down and look at it from this side and that side and up and down. So if there are people without a sheep, sheep people, can we say sheep people? <laughs> Which is all of us. Without shepherds, who's confused and helpless, the positive spin to that. I listened to a podcast in the week and the guy said, remember, every medal has two sides. I was like, that's very interesting. And he spoke about some great victory that their team had, but then the consequences of that victory was very negative. You see people win an uh, Olympic medal at a very young age, and then they get depressed, because what's next? If you've reached the pinnacle of your, your performance, like, and you realize, okay, that was great for a moment, but what now? The rest of your life is a long time, and you probably won't win it again. Even if you do, there's a age like catches up with all of us, doesn't it? So there's a day in your life when you're not going to be the fastest in the world anymore. So what then? What is Usain Bolt's purpose today? Well, I don't know, but no, I do. I'm not sure if he's living it. It's to experience the love of God, enjoy grace, and build kingdom. That's our, all, all of our purpose. Amen? So a question I'm asking you as we end off your starters this morning is then, what do you value? What do you value now the opposite question again is what do you despise because what you despise is usually the opposite of what you value what do you despise what do you value what are you focused on and may i ask what is your definition of success i told you this is this is some some deep food, substance we're giving you this morning. What is your definition of success? Now, let's got, look at a famous account in Genesis to guide us in answering these questions for ourselves. So, we're looking at Isaac and we're looking at Rebecca. We're looking at Esau and Jacob more so this morning. So, from Genesis 25, 28, it says, And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, what a man. <laughs> that's the reason to you love your child, because he brings you meat. <laughs> Something wrong there, but anyways, let's not comment. But Rebecca loved Jacob. So you see, the families in the Bible aren't perfect. Okay, that's not the point this morning. So now, maybe you know the story. Esau was a man of the field, Jacob was a man around the house, so he spent more time with his mom. And as we can see, from that verse, that uh, Isaac uh, was a hungry man, so Esau wanted to keep him, keep feeding him, so he was spending time in the field, hunting, and he came back one day, and he, before he saw his brother, he probably smelled a very tasty smell, and you know, when you're hungry, you maybe don't realize it, you, you get that aroma of spices, and all of a sudden, your, your, your stomach growls, like, sometimes when you watch an advert, they're trying to, to, to portray that, like, so you want to Pick up the phone and order that spur t-bone, whatever it is. Like that's what it, what was happening there, and you you realize, wow, I'm hungry, and he deserved to be hungry. Like he was out in the field, he was working hard, it was in the desert, if you will, and um, and he, he smells this, and Jacob says to him in verse thirty one, "Sell me this day your birthright." Okay, so the title of our message this morning is the blessing. And the birthright the blessing and the birthright and it starts here and it says "And Esau said behold I am at the point to die that's probably a bit dramatic that's probably if I have to guess a bit of an overstatement I'm as hungry as a lion that's why we have hungry lion chicken okay Someone drove in a car and said, I'm as hungry as a lion, and there wasn't anything, so they started a chain. I'm as hungry, I'm about to die. Anyone felt like that before, said that before? I, I probably have. But it's not true. Like, you, you can go with food for a number of days. Um, thirsty, about to die, is maybe more, more correct, but you can speak to the doctors in the room about that. We don't want to get too technical. I'm just showing you what are you focusing on. So what we see clearly here is that Esau had a Carnal, short-term focus. And Isaac had a long-term focus. Okay? Oh, not Isaac, Jacob. So Esau said, Behold, I'm about to die, or at the point of death. What profit shall this birthright do to me? Okay, so he's going on a very downward spiral here, very quickly. And Jacob said, Swear to me this day, and swear unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Verse 33. Okay, so what happened? To the birthright. It was sold. Okay? So there's a legitimate transaction. Both parties know the terms and both parties agree to the term. Everyone with me? Remember that. Okay. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Now look at this. This is the commentary that Moses gives us. Thus Esau despised his birthright. He valued short term And he despised long term. He valued carnal and he despised something eternal, something more spiritual. Because the spiritual there was a blessing. The word despised there speaks of he disesteemed. Okay? He held or held with contempt and he counted as worthless. Okay, we need to realize that. So the way that he he, he saw the birthright was he, he didn't count it as worthy. Now, amongst other things, the, the birthright was a double blessing. Meaning, if the father dies and there's inheritance, the oldest child, the one with the birthright, gets a double portion. Okay? But in this case, it's so much more. Because, you know what? Who do we know in the Bible? The God of? Abraham? Isaac? Should have been Esau. It should have been the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But because Esau despised his birthright, not because he took a pot of lentils. You see, that's where we think. We think he was so hungry, oh shame. No, he, had, he, he, he carried with content. He counted the birthright as worthless. Therefore, he was willing to sell it. So it didn't start in that day. It didn't start when he was hungry and shame. Ach oh, poor guy, he's going to about to die. No, he came, he arrived at that moment in his life, not valuing God. Not valuing the blessing that he carried. Not valuing the lineage. The God of Abraham. The God of my dad, Isaac. Now the God of Jacob. Jacob, in the other hand, could have sold that pot of lentils for many different things. Funny how he was a vegetarian, it seems. Poor guy why did he ask for the birthright when he could have asked for many other things i'm sure esau would have been willing to to give some nice clothes a fast horse or a donkey whatever he possessed but he said no i don't want a possession i don't want something material i want the birthright because he did not despise the birthright he valued the birthright so when there was an opportunity to obtain the birthright, he he went for it. And it doesn't even say whether he ate of his own pottage. Now, we know the sad follow-up to this, where Isaac says he's about to die, and he, he calls Esau, and he says, go make me some venison. And Rebecca overhears the story, and, and, and she intervenes. And then before we know it, Isaac blesses Jacob. Okay? Now, what happens then is Esau comes back and now he's very upset. Okay, isn't that how people are? We don't value what we should value and then when we lose what we don't value, then we're upset. They say you don't realize what you've got until you lose it. Okay, this is what Esau um, what he did. In verse 36 he says of Genesis 27, um, and he said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away... He has taken away. The word took away there means snatched. Now, is that true? He didn't. He sold it. He didn't steal it. That's what Esau says now. My brother stole my birthright. But we just read the legitimate transaction where Esau consented to selling his birthright for a port oh, for a Must have been some nice poikikos. Ne? So we can't blame the guy except that there wasn't meat in that poikikos. He says, and behold, so he's snatched or stolen my birthright, and behold, now he has also taken away my blessing. Maybe you know this, maybe I'm the only one who missed it, but I never saw the two separate things there. Yet the title of my message this morning, the blessing and the birthright. Because the one doesn't necessarily bring the other. Okay? He says, he's taken away my birthright, and now he's taken away my blessing. And he said, has you not reserved a blessing for me? So the word birthright really speaks of inheritance, but can we say that it speaks about your place in the family? Okay, just your birthright is where you fit in the family. I'm asking you this morning. Do you value where you fit in in God's family your birthright. Because a lot of people do not they despise their place, their birthright, in the family of God. And they do not live according to the family of God, but yet they still want the blessing of God. We read it in the pre service meeting, one Corinthians ten, seventeen, I think, speaks about we are all one bread and we all partake of that one bread. If you don't value the bread that you're a part of, you're not going to know that you're part of it, or you're not going to value the fact that you're part of it, and therefore you won't be able to partake of it. Or you would want to partake of it, but never give into it, and then you're like, oh, you can't give it. They always just take, they never, they never give. Well, what did you give? What are you a part of? And I'm not talking about money, even though that's included. Are you giving of yourself? Are you opening your home? Are you, are you there for people? Are you just willing to live for a little bit more than yourself? Or are you always saying, I'm the victim, I need someone to take care of me. And that's fine if you're there. We love you. But we want to help you grow up. Amen? Just think, if all the world, we all stayed children. I have a beautiful view of the children here this morning. They're quite busy. Amen? They're quite self-centered. They're actually very selfish. Guess what? You and I, we were like that. I know it's unfathomable. Sometimes I try and think, Lord, why am I like this? And the answer is obviously yes. <laughs> but the Word says we have 10,000 teachers and few fathers. Okay? Why? Well, there's many reasons, I believe, and one reason is that we like revelations and we like teachings that speak to our needs and often our carnal needs and wants. Make this your best year yet and unfavored and immeasurably favored and live your best life now and all those teachings. We like those teachings, but those people who teach those teachings aren't pastoring you. I I love Joseph Prince. My life has changed because of Joseph Prince. But I cannot phone Joseph Prince and say, Joseph, what should I do in this situation? He's unreachable. So is he a teacher or a father? He's a teacher. He's a father to his congregation. So there's a great pastor team in New Creation Church in Singapore. Can I tell you the other reason that I've been thinking of? We don't have many fathers because there aren't many fathers because few people are willing to grow up and step up and say I'll oh, father and that's 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 the truth like that's why we're growing a team of elders and leaders and pastors because we want to father people and the more we have capacity the more people we have to father how do you become a good father Ladies, you're included. By being a son. Jordan does what I do because he's a son in my house. Bradley's starting to do the same. So they'll be great fathers one day, hopefully, because they meditate, or not meditate, they they do what I do. I make mistakes, and then I tell them, when you make a mistake like Dad just did, we say sorry. We make right. So, I'm not claiming perfection at all. I'm just saying we have to grow up. And the best way to grow up is to find your position in the family, which is Son of God. Because then you imitate, like Paul said, imitate me, because I'm imitating Christ. And Christ is imitating who? The Father. Because he said, I only do what I see the Father do, I only say what I hear Him say. That's imitation. Now the word in some of the Bible translations there is lead. Like, follow me as I follow Christ. Which speaks of distance. Which speaks of separation. But the Greek there is not following as in, there goes Hendriku, I'm behind him. No, the word there is imitation. Do what I do, because I do what Christ does, and Christ does what the Father does. So then we all have a very healthy relationship. And we're not, um, not pulling people to ourselves. We're growing people up so that they can live by themselves. Amen? Uh, I pray those boys will not be with me till they're 40. In my house. Me taking care of them. I pray by that time that they would be a blessing to society. That they would be helping to grow other people. Okay, so that's the birthright. Long story. The blessing. According to Brown-Driver-Briggs' definition, it speaks of a source of blessing. The blessing, the prosperity, the praises of God. A gift or a present, including the treaty of peace. Isn't that beautiful? So the blessing that came because of the birthright included peace. Now, interestingly, the writer of Hebrews now also comments on this verse in Genesis. And from Hebrews 12, verse 15, it says, Look diligently, does any man fail of the grace of God? So who's failing? Is it the grace of God that's failing? Is God failing? No. It says, um, verse 15, sorry, Genesis, Hebrews twelve, fifteen. Hebrews 12, verse 15. So who's fall short of the grace? It's us not taking all of it. That's us not participating in everything that's available, like Esau. Was there, was there any problem with the birthright? Was there any shortage of the blessing? Where was the mistake in Esau's view, or his part, partaking of the blessing and the birthright? See, the problem is not with God. It is how we see things. It's what we value. It's maybe who we believe God is. It says, Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person. I'm going to not teach on that today, but profanity and fornication is not just sexual. Because it clearly says that Esau was a fornicator. Esau was profane for one morsel of meat he sold his birthright. For one morsel of meat. That's not meat as in meat, that's meat as in food. Okay? Verse 17. For you know how that afterwards when he would not have inherited the blessing he was rejected. <coughs> For he found no place of repentance though he sought it carefully with tears. You know, spate compete a lot. Mostly. Unfortunately for you, or fortunately, there's a day in your life, which is today, where God has sent me to speak to you and say, Hey, are you despising your birthright? Or are you valuing it? What is your definition of success and how are you living? Now, interestingly, just the point of grace of the Father there, jumping back into the story in Genesis again, I'm speaking for myself, I had this idea that Isaac now was sneaky and he got the blessing and then he just disappeared because the word says Esau wanted to kill him. And it's as if in my mind, Isaac never spoke to Jacob again. Because, I mean, he did, he he was a bit of a sneak, sneak attack with his dad, wasn't he? He had the right to it, but he, he did it in a sneaky way. Now, interestingly, Genesis 28, verse 1, that's why we should never just stop at the end of a chapter. And Isaac called Jacob. This is how, after Esau's return. This is after, I mean, this man, his brother now wants to kill him. And Isaac calls for Jacob, and he blesses him again. Isn't that amazing? He's just supplanted his brother. He's just sneak attacked his own father. And now his father calls him and says and charges him and blesses him and says unto him, You shall not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Just that relationship there. And then he sends him out with a blessing. Remember, your destiny is to be one with the firstborn. We should value the birthright, which is Christ. The firstborn from the dead. We should value that and the fact that we can be one with Christ. Our purpose then is to grow, to be a blessing, and to invite others into our family. And that's what Isaac did. We, like Abraham, was and are blessed to be a blessing. We are not blessed to be blessed. Think about that for a moment. What are you doing with your blessing? Are you despising your birthright? Or are you valuing? And what it means is, do we realize what it means to be one with the resurrected Christ? That's our New Testament interpretation of today's message. Or do we like, just treat it with contempt? Do we count it as worthy? What is the worth of being one with Christ? Do we meditate on that? Because if we don't, we'll just despise it. Like, oh, where's my car? Where's my house? Where's my pay increase? Where's taxes? No, I'm one with Christ. Isn't that amazing? I'm eternally secure. I'm forever alive. My sins are forgotten. It's paid for. It's redeemed. It's justified. I am one with Him for all eternity. Yeah, oh, I have problems and troubles and the tax man and the landlord. and. But what do you value? Because if you value the one, you'll despise the other. If you value eternity, you will despise temporary life. There's people I know that sometimes I wish they will just take better care of material stuff. But they just don't value it because it's not eternal. Now, I'm not saying be a bad steward. It's just they are so in eternity. That whether this things fall from the table now is it's just not their focus. It's not they're not evil, they're not bad for it, they they're just not they're not, they're not, I want to say they're not wired in that way because then we say some people are wired like this and other people are wired like that. No, they just focused on important things. The spiritual. The blessing to be a blessing. Now the, the thing is, and we've seen it now, is you choose. Esau chose. Isaac chose. You and I, we should choose. Another way that the Word explains this to us is, it says, you cannot serve God and mammon. Why? The, the scripture is clear, it says, because you will hate the one, or you will love the one, and you will despise the other. So if you love God, you'll despise money, materialism. Or if you love materialism, you cannot help but despise God. Which means you count God as God as worthless. Now we'll say, oh, of course God is not worthless. Now I know you came here for a hug, and a high five, and a grace message. That's exactly what you're getting. Because the Comforter is the one who leads us into all truth. And I am not negating your problems. Please hear my heart. But Jesus didn't look at the crowds and say, shame, they've got so many problems. And they had problems, believe me. More than you and I did. They were under a Roman Empire who killed people by the cross. He looked at them and He had compassion for another reason. And that reason was that they were sheep without a shepherd. You know what the beauty is? If you have a shepherd you're okay. If you have a shepherd, then Jesus thinks you're okay. You might not. <laughs> okay. We grow into that. That's faith. That's maturity. We, we're like, I'm okay because I've got Jesus. But we grow there. okay. We, we, we're okay because we grow there. We're not, we're not starting there. We get to choose what we despise. And what we hold dear, what we value. Is it carnal or temporal like Esau or the lasting spiritual and eternal things of God like Jacob? And you know what? Jacob became Israel, not Esau. Showing you again, it's not about the meat, it's not about the lentils, it's not about the pot, it's about something much deeper. anyone ready for dessert? I think by now we need dessert. We need to to get something fresh. Amen? So we have another famous story in the Bible called the Good Samaritan. Or the Baramhartige Samaritan. And I want to read just a bit of it and make some comments from Luke 10, 29 in the New Living Translation. It says, A man wanted to justify his actions. So, he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Okay, that's just after he asked God, how do I get into eternity, basically? What is the, the, the biggest law? And Jesus said, love your neighbor. Now, his purpose is to justify his actions, which means he didn't love his neighbor. So, now he says, it can't be everyone. So, who is the one I should love? The city, then, Jesus goes and he replies with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits, and stripped him of his clothes, and beat him up, and left him half dead by the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. I'm going to ask you a question. How do you become a priest, or how did you? It was through birth. Not all the tribes could be priests. they were specific Tribes, if you were of the lineage of Aaron. So there's a birthright that we're looking at. So the priest has the birthright, but is he operating in the blessing? No. He's not operating, he's not giving what he should have. Then, a temple assistant or a Levite walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. So how do you become a Levite? Through your birth. You're born under the tribe of Levi. Okay? So there's again a birthright. So did these two honor or despise their birthright? So what they did is they probably liked the... the what is it? They liked the clothing. The prestige. The, 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 the people look up to me. The authority even of the birthright. But they were priests for a reason. They were Levites for a reason. They had to serve God. And one of the ways to serve God is to love on people, isn't it? So they liked the nice side of it, but they weren't operating on the blessing side of it. Now I'm asking you, did they despise their birthright? I think the answer is yes. The second question is, were they a blessing? No, they weren't. Okay? Now before you go dull on me, I've heard the Good Samaritan taught so many times of, Jij beter leva." And then you drive out of here and there's a guy next to the street who's asking you for money and then you think like, Yo, the barmhartige Samaritan. <laughs> Am I the only one? Has that worked for you? Maybe for a day, a week? Was it lasting change? No. So I've got good news for you. Remember, this is dessert. Okay, this is the fun part. Nikolaus, jij voor dit. So now a despised Samaritan came along. We're looking at what do we despise? What do we value? And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Remember when I gave you starters, I said, remember that word. Compassion. What did the priest and the Levite feel? Obligation. Obligation. Did obligation get them to do the right thing? No. So how can legalism ever work? It's a clear example that it doesn't. Thou shalt. It didn't work. I had a conversation with my barber the other day, as I do often. And he spoke to me about something called holy trigonometry. Which is, I would say, quite new age. And it picks up on different patterns and then sort of picks it up in different areas and shows that all things are connected in a way. So one of it is the, the peacock. And the pattern, and I mean, I, I've got second year math, so I know there's patterns in math. And, and, I, and, and I always smile because I know who put it there. And one of the signs, is two things that you might know of that would link to this, is a dream catcher. You know, some people hang it in their cars. And, and the other one is the, a tree of life, which there's a lot of jewelry with this tree with a circle around. And I think what happens usually when he speaks about that to Christians is that they, they're not offended, but they may be intimidated or they're not interested. And I say to this guy, well, I, I can't disagree with you that there's patterns. I can't disagree that there's order. And what really got him thinking, and the guy behind him who was almost openly not cutting off another guy's ear, because he stopped and he, he looked around, I said, you know what, there were two trees in the garden. The tree of life, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I said, which tree that God say have nothing to do with? And he has a, a, a Christian background, even though he doesn't go to church, and he knew exactly what I was saying. So did the guy behind me who was looking around. I said, so, you're focusing on the right tree. Just not in the right way, the right manner. Because it's not a tree or a symbol, it is Christ. So what do we value and what do we despise? Do we despise the tree of knowledge of good and evil and value the tree of life? Or are we still hanging on to the tree of knowledge of good and evil, what's right and what is wrong, because we don't trust that God is good enough? Because that's basically what it comes down to. Because knowledge of good and evil is, am I good enough? tree of life is, is he good enough? Because we don't need a scoreboard if we're not the one scoring. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil is a scoreboard. The law of Moses, the rules, that's, it's a scoreboard. And we were never meant to keep score. We were called into birthright to be blessed, to enjoy the blessing. That's as simple as it is. Who did more sin when Isaac blessed Jacob? Who are sneaky? Isaac, let's let's just... I know it's awkward, but let's say it. (laughs) Isaac and his mother, who got the blessing? Why is the question. Because the one despised the birthright and the other one valued it. Nothing about what they did. And I believe that Isaac understood something about that. Because he understood something about God. And that's why he called Jacob back. And he says, before you leave, before you flee for your life, let me bless you. And now that you have the blessing and the birthright, you better not marry out of that. Because what he was saying is, now you you keep on valuing what you've got. And you know what Esau does? He overhears what his dad told And he goes and does exactly what he told Isaac not to do. Or Isaac told Jacob not to do. And he goes and marries Canaanite women. It's spite, eh? But spite comes a lot. Spitefulness, in that case. Afrikaans, it's got a nice wordplay because it's both. It's cut your nose and spite your face, as they say, now, because there's a lot of problems that comes from the Moabites and the Ammonites and everyone that comes from Esau. So, who is the one who feels compassion? Yes, in the story, it's the despised Samaritan. But in reality, it's Christ, our King. You and I are called to be like the Good Samaritan, but that's not where we start. You know where we start? Beaten up, half dead in a ditch. Through sin. Through our wrong beliefs, our wrong understanding, our wrong doings. But one came who was not a Levite, who was not a priest, he was of the tribe of Judah. Go read Genesis Genesis 39, there's a whole chapter about the sins and the wrongdoings of Judah. He's the only one of the 12 brothers who gets a full chapter, and it's about everything he's done wrong. Everything he's done wrong. Sleeping with prostitutes. Despising family structure. All of it. Yet Christ comes, how? In the tribe of Judah. That is a picture of our frail humanity. And he says, I'll take the worst of you. You know, who's the one who sold him? Joseph. Judah. Reuben wanted to save him, the oldest brother. Judah said, no, let's make some money off of him. Christ came in the tribe of Judah. We sing, Lion of Judah. Yes, we should. Because that is grace. That is from ashes to kingship so when we look at the good Samaritan there is one who was moved by compassion when he saw the crowds confused helpless like sheep without a shepherd that man is lying there in a ditch confused helpless dying like I was and I'm sure like some of you were but someone born out of time out of place out of lineage where did the wise men go to Herod. Why? Birthright. Royalty. The fact that Christ was born got him what? A place in a manger, in a feeding trough, with a death sentence. That's where he was born. That's his, That's the birthright he took. Because it wasn't about this world, but about that world. It wasn't about the eternal kingship that Herod had. It was about uh, the, the temporal. It was about the eternal. You see, Herod thought he was king, but he was only king in position, not in authority, because there was Romans above him. We think if we only are CEO, leader of this, pastor of that, then we think, we're, wow, but you only play in your little corner, and well done for being first in your little corner. Even if you are the CEO of Microsoft, which is now the biggest company in the world, it's only a, a corner. There's still someone above you. There's a chairman. There's shareholders. I've learned that. Like Even if you're the CEO, you still have a boss. But we've got Christ. We've got the birthright of eternity. We've got the blessing of eternal life. And we have the value of the Spirit. We have the One who went over and soothed our wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And He put us on His own donkey and took us to an inn to take care of us. And the next day when He disappeared from our sight... He gave us the Holy Spirit, the innkeeper. And he says, You take care of them until I come. You take care of them until I come. And verse 36 says, Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Last week I mentioned it briefly. I said, We are neighbors to the ones we put ourselves next to, we choose. That's why Christ chose to come down, to take on flesh, to be our neighbor. Why? Because we love our neighbors. He loves His neighbors. That's why He became your neighbor. He became one of us because He loved us. He became one of us to save us. He came to where we were, half dead in a ditch, To pick us up, to clean us up, to heal us, to to, to save us. Now, the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, now go do the same. So my question this morning is, are you saved? Are you saved? Are you alive? Have you allowed... The son of god to pick you up to clean you up to wrap you up to heal you to blow his eternal life and spirit into you if you haven't come on <laughs> why not why not why would you not want that stop trying to impress a god who is not impressible is that a word he, 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 you he cannot make God love you because He is love. He cannot but love you. Like he, God, please love me. He says, but what else can I do? I cannot do anything else but love you. And I want to love you. That's not the point. Like, but I cannot not love you because I am love. I cannot not be good to you because I am good. I cannot not want to save you because I'm the Savior. We shouldn't but believe because we are believers. Amen? The second question. If you say, yes, I am saved. I'm cleaned up. I'm, I'm expectantly living a life of, of despising this world and valuing eternity. Only then is the invitation. Go and do likewise. Don't marry a Canaanite woman. You're not doing it to get the blessing. You're not marrying the world and living in sin to get the blessing. Please see this. This is the crescendo. This is the cherry on top. This is the the cream around your mulfa pudding. This is the custard that that we're pouring out this morning. You aren't doing right to get the blessing. Isaac blessed Jacob. Done deal. Esau cried. He said, I cannot return the blessing. I cannot make it null and void. It's done. It's done. Therefore, Isaac called Jacob and he says, Now you are blessed. Now do not marry the world. Do not enter into love of the world. Not to be blessed. You are blessed. But for that reason, do not despise the blessing. Live as you are. Blessed to be a blessing. And today you and I sit here in the year 2024 and we know a God of Isaac, a God of Abraham, a God of Jacob. Because he did not despise the birthright and he lived in the blessing. I hope that encourages you this morning. That what is happening around us is really not all that's going on. There's so much deeper nourishment and identity and positional authority that we have. So let's be like Jesus. Preach the kingdom and heal the sick. Preach the kingdom and heal the sick. Whether that's sickness in this earth or eternal damnation in the heart. Let's partake of our birthright. And let's walk in our blessing. Amen. Let's stand. find more of our free teachings on our website www.gracelife.ca. and if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings our aim is to help you discover Jesus find family and experience life to contact us or to find out where and when we meet visit our website www.gracelife.ca.